Yes, hallelujah. Glory. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. So glad you could join us today. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad the joy of the Lord's our strength? It feels good in the glory. We lean not on our own understanding in all our ways. We acknowledge the Holy Ghost, and He directs the course of our path upward from glory mm. to glory. I lean not on my own understanding. So does that mean that I lean not on my own Bina that God created in His image? In the image of His Hakma and Bina. So I should lean not on my own wisdom and understanding, not on my own hakmabina that God created within me in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that bina is perfect gift from God. He created it. He put it within me. My palaces, my interior castle, his interior castle, his palaces, a deeper wisdom, a deeper understanding than we've ever known before, and to go into those realms will require the sacrifice and the golden altar of all those wonderful things from God that have helped us to make it this far. Wow, I lean not on my own hakma. Bina and his living, eternal, uncreated wisdom and understanding, which far surpasses all knowledge about all mystic realms, even those that he created within me. So how do we get out of our own understanding? It requires a different person. Because you can't get out of your own understanding unless you're in a different person's understanding. If you're in yourself, you're stuck with your own thoughts. And guess what, guys? That's what hell is. Hell is being stuck in your own thought life. Satan and his angels are stuck in their own vain delusion of their own thought life. Our job is to shut them down by getting into the thought life of Jesus Christ. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts, declares the Lord, and my ways are higher than your ways, says the Lord. So we change our ways and we change our thoughts, how? By getting into the person of the Spirit of Christ. Now the Spirit of Christ is only inside the Word of God. Can't separate the Word of God that God breathes from the Holy Spirit, as it is written, I will send the Holy Spirit, and He will glorify me, and He will glorify no other. He's not going to glorify you. He's not going to glorify me. He's going to glorify Himself, which is the Word of God glorified in our spirit. Our job is to yield to the wisdom and understanding of a different person outside of ourselves. That's what picking up a cross and following Him every day actually is. I am yielded to the Holy Ghost as my intelligence. 
And if I have a hard time finding the Holy Ghost when I'm stuck in my head, living as though I'm dead, confused about everything, might need to do a little fasting. Might need to spend more time in the Word and get brainwashed. Washed in the water of the Word. Otherwise, you end up with the dead bird. And your life's a big turd. Well, we have better <laughs> things in mind for you. We've got masterclass training in righteousness. We've got the Daily Joel's Bar, the Daily Bread, the online teachings. We have so many free resources for you to learn it all. Not by jumping on a plane and paying for a ticket and paying for a conference and paying for a hotel, but simply from the ease, comfort, and convenience of your own home, car, or workplace. There you go. I've planted you like a tent peg, a tent peg directly mm. where you already are, it is written. Which means you don't need to move around to grow. The Bible says bear fruit in keeping with righteousness right where you're at. And those after they've been converted, the Apostle Paul says, keep the same job you had unless it's like sex workers or something or you're mm. in a gang. So different people have to change jobs. But the Bible says most of you just stay in the same job and allow the job of the Holy Ghost to work inside you. God in your early days as Christians, wants to learn how to work with you, how to walk with you. You know how to soak in the Spirit, some of you don't. You just lay back and say, Holy oh, Ghost, yeah. just yeah. saturate me. I'm a sponge and you're the water. And just soak in the glory of God. Some of you need to do a little soaking, some of you need to do a little toking. Some of you need, need to do a little study of the Word, reading the Word. Mm. Put it in your eyes and your senses. This is what the Lord is saying to me today before Joel's bar. Declare war against your senses and your reasoning. Lean not on your own understanding, which means you're at war against your own understanding. Now most people lose there. Why? Because they get stuck in their head and end up dead. You're going to win when you get into the one who does not sin. You're going to win when Jesus Christ starts to exude angelic intelligence out of your belly flows rivers of what? Mm. Just feeling good all the time. There's some of that. No doubt about it. You will feel good all the time in the river of life. But out of your bellies flows the understanding of the Father. And it's the path. The path is a river. The river of life will guide your path and the river changes the higher you go up. It gets clearer and clearer and clearer because it comes forth through the world and the world is fallen. The heavens are fallen. Therefore, scripture says we need new heavens and the river flows through the heavens. The river will not make the heavens new except through me and you. You can't just pray, 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 pray. Bible says faith without works is dead. You're going to have to begin to do the works as a temple of the work, not in the flesh, but in the spirit of holiness. In the spirit of grace, you learn how to flow with a river running through you. Ezekiel 47 is God's plans and purposes for all your lives. What does Ezekiel 47 say? The temple is your body of the river of life. You are a member of the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? The body of the river. Any other body is just devils. When you're in the body of Christ, you're in the river. 
Now the issue is, in the river, what did Elijah do? All the works preparing and making straight the way of the Lord. Elijah was in the river, making straight and preparing the way for Jesus Christ. Elijah is the river that prepares his second coming, and that's God's will for your life. Mm, Non-confusion. Not not the spirit of confusion, but the spirit of how is it go? Power, mm. love, and a sound mind. Amen. We're just speaking that over ourselves, speaking mm. it over you. A sound mind, power, love, and a sound mind. Now, what does this have to do with your faith? You're doing it by faith, not by the flesh. Like Brandon said, the spirit of confusion says, "Well, I just got to do it by faith. Got to do it. It's blind faith. It's just." Well, I read it in the Bible somewhere or someone mm. else. Okay, Abraham, what is Hebrews 11? You know, the, the well, what do you call it? The, what do they put the trophies on display? What do they call it? Like a hall a of hall trophies? A hall of faith fame. Yeah, the hall, yeah, yeah, the hall of faith, the hall of fame of faith. Fame. <laughs> hall of faith fame. Hall of faith fame. Why does Say it? Say that 10 times Hall of fast. faith fame, hall of faith hall fame. Hall of faith fame. Like trophies, they're all their lives We're are like trophies. We're not living in holes in the ground or caves anymore. That's right. We're living on sapphire stones. Abraham, when Abraham, <laughs> it says it was credited to him as righteousness. It was credited to him as faith. He did it by faith. He did it by faith. Hebrews eleven. He did it by faith. Now there's something that we got to root out from our charismatic training. We got to get get your get your garden tools ready. We're gonna pull out some weeds, you ready? All right, got your gardening tools? Good, I'm glad you came prepared. All right. This is where dandelions come to, to die. die. Yes, oh, I used to get paid, <laughs> I used to get paid in coins from my dad to pull up all the dandelions. Demon lions. He didn't tell me where I could go to get them, so I went all around the neighborhood. <laughs> I actually think they're kinda cool. Yeah, well, I was getting paid, so I was like, all right, let's go get those dandelions for, like, my ice cream change, the ice cream paying all change, mostly nickels and pennies, and, uh, for the, anyway, you should have seen their face when I'm like, an ice cream Yeah, they still do the same thing, a nickel for every dandelion. You got paid in nickels? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and he regretted that real quickly. Oh, I bet he did. Went out my there was and was like... 40 dad, bucks. I think my dad like, was a little more oh, shrewd. He was I don't think like, he ever even paid me. He gave me one cent I'll have to for bring each it up one. at breakfast. We all have to bring it up. It's good. Anyway. You remember those dandelions? You owe me. You owe me. Time to pay up. When I was six years this old. This is my inheritance. <laughs> okay. So this kind of culture that we've had of, you just got to do it by faith. I know God can just provide and just do it by faith. But that's not faith. What was credited to Abraham as faith? He didn't just decide to go to Canaan. Well, I heard and God said to somebody else, so now I, was gonna, I know he's going to do it for me. God directly said to Abraham, the Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. That was directly from the Lord to Abraham. He told him specifically what to do. Abraham had zero confusion about what to do and where to go. He followed, he got the clear instruction, which is called receiving instruction directly from the voice of God and then doing it. 
There was no confusion about where he should go. God told him what to do, and then he did it. No more of this, well, you just, by faith, I know, I've seen it, it could just work out, and then God could just provide, I feel fire spout on the top of my head right now. Literally, you guys, put it down. That's blind faith. That's not faith, and you don't get rewards for that. That's charismatic, iniquity, in the sand, blind, leading the blind, just by blind, well, I just, it should just be, there is zero confusion. It says in the word of God, find out what is the will of God, that good and that perfect will. It's our job to find out. It's our job to hear God's voice. And when he tells us what to do, I recommend writing it down because it's human nature to forget. How, what do you mean, how am I going to forget? Most of you watching right now, you've already forgotten what God has told you to do in the past weeks, in the past months, and maybe even the past years. Don't fret. We have gardening tools to make everything straight, to make straight the way of the Lord in your life, His will for your life, to uproot those false faith. It's all this coming up with something else, something new, some other resource, some other thing. What has God already told you what to do? Now, if you're doubting me that it's human nature to forget what God said, maybe you think, oh, I have better memory than that. It's not an issue of memory. It's an issue of human nature. Eve, prime example. What did the serpent say to her? Did God really tell you? Did God really say that? That you can't have this and start to question well did God really how did was it exactly what were the terms the specific now I'll tell you this is the same thing we do I do it you do it to different measurements upon our sanctification has God told you a business plan did he say if you want breakthrough in this you'll have to do this much fasting but then it never happens, and then we just keep going on, time goes by, well, maybe I can just do some other spiritual stuff, and why isn't it happening? Hello, do we have no faith? We don't have faith there, because we took what God said in his word, or through what the prophet, the apostle, or the spoken rhema word of God, and you know that was the word of God that was brought to you, it was confirmed, but yet there still hasn't been any action there. That means there's no faith there. Sometimes you simply have to put down the planning, the planning, the research, the planning. And when you have already been told what to do, it's time to take action. You can research it until you're blue in the face, but you're never going to make it perfect by the amount of research and time and planning. Those are all important steps. But if all you do is plan, and, and say maybe and this and I have great ideas and or God told me this but I just you know sometimes you just have to take action on what God has already told you what to do it might not be perfect but there's room for your growth and God intended that first step for your growth for Abraham's growth he knew he wasn't going to do everything perfectly but his heart had become perfect before God, and that was evidenced in his sacrifice of Isaac on top of the mountain.
I think one of the reasons why Abram could hear God is if you study the book of Jasher, it says that he went to Shem and Noah for 29 years Training of discipleship. Real testimony to Noah's <laughs> How did house. he know he was so accurate to be so confident in hearing God? Because he had 29 mm-hmm. years of one-on-one discipleship from Noah and Shem. That's why. I don't believe Abram would have ever became Abraham without Noah's training. Noah trained Abram in all the ways of righteousness according to the book of Jasher. Which means the greatest men and women of faith were always the greatest students. You'll never find any great man or woman of faith who wasn't a great student of the greatest spiritual people of all time. And true story, if you're wondering, well, I don't have Noah's house, I'll tell you the true testimony. When I was yes, in the do. spirit, yes, when I was in the spirit, <laughs> this is a few years ago, I was actually taken into Noah's house. I met Noah. I got to I got to be at Noah's table. And what was I doing? Reading scrolls. I was studying and learning. And it was in it was in that old Hebrew writing. And he was very drunk in the spirit, very happy, very drunk. He was, you know, Papa Noah. He was just very, was like like a father figure. And he was clearly intoxicated on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I was at his house, and it was so nice, and it was wonderful. And he came over, and he would explain to me and teach me how to read scrolls in the spirit realm and Hebrew. And so it's that it's for training in righteousness. I've been to his house. I've learned from Noah. He he gave me the impartation. Now my brain on the outer part of me might not remember every detail from that encounter. But I know in my spirit, which if you followed along Joel's bar for long enough, you know that the spirit is much greater and much deeper and much more wise and understanding than the brain. And the brain tends to catch up later on. But what I treasure in my spirit, and I treasure in my heart, is that learning righteousness from Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And I treasure that. And that was before we created the masterclass training in righteousness. So all that deposit of that seed of the word that Noah gave me himself in the spirit realm is made manifest in that class. There are many encounters from the cloud of witnesses that have come to both Brandon and I and all kinds of you know different encounters with angels and with God himself the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit made manifest as if you could see them just as clearly as I could see someone standing right in front of me and it's for your benefit that when you go into that class This isn't a man or a woman's words in this class for you. It is the culmination of all those things, all those witnesses who have poured into, right? The engraving of the word of God is the seed. And those engravings are in those words. And if you just believe and you read and you study and you do the material, you can become a teacher of righteousness. First, you'll be a student of righteousness. And then someday, maybe you'll be... Not many should be teachers, right? You don't want that kind of condemnation. You don't want to heap upon yourself unless it's 
the destiny pathway that God has for you, and he'll make that known to you. Some of you may be teachers of righteousness someday. So, beautiful early beginnings. The, the power of the seed of the word of God through the ages, through the cloud of witnesses, through the holy angels, through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all poured into and created in this course that you can rise above the earth, the old earth, into the heavens to learn God's ways, to learn righteousness, to be a student like Abram was at Noah's house, to be a student of righteousness. That whole uh, master class really came out of the cloud of witnesses. And so since we're students of wisdom and righteousness, and that's all we do is learn from heaven every day, it just pours out at the appropriate time. It's really the blueprints of accurate Enoch ascension. Because we don't have those blueprints in Christianity. We have it in, in a written form, but it's a sealed letter. When you begin to experience it and absorb its wisdom through rising, we can teach practically step by step the things you're going to go through as you rise from the dead. Jesus Christ, firstborn amongst many, raised from the dead. Raised means going up into heavenly places. Now, when you maintain those elevations, you learn how to stay raised. A lot of people have not been raised from the earth. Now, to be on the earth is to be dead in your sins for all have fallen short of the glory what does it mean to fall short it means to live with your spirit in the earth elevation that's as dead as it gets even if you have all kinds of christianity heaped upon you you're dead in your sins why because you're not raised from the dead dead is in sin sin is an elevation of the inner man so the whole point of everything you go through is to build up the inner man as it's written, we preach to awaken and resurrect hearts so that you go from glory to glory, that your inner man begins to rise, that your mind begins to be renewed and the mind yields to the spirit. The spirit searches out the deep things of the father and knows what the father is thinking it is written. So the Holy Spirit is inside the father. And the Father speaks directly into the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is working inside your heart. And it's through hearing and obeying the Holy Ghost that the Father is speaking into every day. That's where you get your daily bread. What is daily bread? What God has said into His Spirit breathed into our hearts. Now you got to listen. And if there's blockages and you can't hear, if you can't hear, the Bible says, you'll never obey. So why don't we have much obedience? Because we really don't. Because we don't have much accurate hearing. The Spirit and the Bride say, come and drink to who? Those who have ears to hear what the Spirit's saying. Well, who's listening to what the Spirit's saying? Only those who have made holy their heart because God the Father is only speaking into His Spirit. So sometimes, I've noticed this in the charismatic church the last 24 years, that we listen to stuff in our head. That's usually devils. Usually Christians, honestly, are devil-led. 
If you get out of your head, translate it out of head darkness into glory light, which is heart light, where the Holy Spirit is. Jesus, come into my heart. Now he takes the residency in there. This is where you learn to hear God. You have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things. Where? In your bellies. Out of your belly flows the God-spoken word, the rhema word of God. So if you're not inside your heart, you're going to be inside your head, which means all leadership in your life, you can base it on principles, you can base it on written letters, but it's not spirit-led. We have a lot of people that claim to be of the Holy Spirit nowadays, charismatic stuff going everywhere, but only those God-inside-minded, Christ in you, the hope of glory, are being led by Jesus. The external Jesus stuff is usually devils. We've tested it thousands and thousands of times. It's usually deception because it's just breathing right through your senses and right through your thinking. So the Bible says the carnal mind is at war, enmity, and strife against the Holy Spirit, which means a person who is head-led is warring against those that are spirit-led. The spirit-led are at war. That's what the Christian civil war is, and you're in it whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. You're in the head-led versus heart-led. And the heart-led will get stronger in God. They'll lay their lives down for others. They'll go deeper into the spirit daily. They'll find the hidden place of the heart. They'll find the secret stairway of the sky. They'll have their inner man regenerated and transfigured. Their inner man gets so strong from doing what? Hearing and obeying with all your heart. Why with all your heart? Because it means you're hearing what the Spirit is saying, and therefore when you're hearing, you have the potential possibility of obeying. So what are prophets? I tell you the truth, prophets help you learn how to obey, obey before you have crystal clear hearing. Mm, it's important. And once you're circumcised of heart, you can hear, and now you're friends with the prophets. You know, you go from just hearing and pondering these things in your heart <clears throat> to having the experience of obeying the prophetic the prophetic commandment. Second Peter 1.19 You have this reliable word, the prophetic word, as a reliable witness. And we too have the prophetic word as a reliable witness, an anchor for the soul, which causes the morning star to rise in our hearts. And the morning star is often associated with this next sapphire stone we're stepping onto. Yeah, the prophetic. And this is what the Spirit wants to, because we're right, because we have to circumcise that sphere. And what needs circumcised is there's that whole realm of, okay, well, you're in that place where you're maybe you're not hearing clearly. And so you understand, okay, that's what the prophets are for. But then the people sin, and then they go to the prophets and just say, tell me what to do. What do I do with my life? What do I do with this? What do I do with that? Tell me, tell me, prophesy to me, prophesy. Personal prophecy, I need this. And that is not going to do it. That is not going to do it. Your goal is not to be close with the prophetic people so that you can get all the instructions. Should I do this or not do this? Should I do this or that? That's not how it works. No do's and don'ts. That is, that is your thirst for charismatic witchcraft, actually. And what you think is, well, I just need the prophet to speak into my life and da-da-da, because I'm not hearing clearly. 
what he's saying is when he's saying you need the prophetic word, it's not about your individual life. That's the part where we have to get over ourselves because the corporate word spoken for the corporate body benefits the whole body. So when I hear the corporate word spoken, that's for me, that's for you, that's for you and for your household. Now, if we obey the corporate prophetic word, all those other little things that you had questions about, that gets clear. But what people do is they sin and say, well, if I can just be a close friend with the prophet, if I can just be in the prophetess's e uh, messengers or email, and just, can you, well, if I can just get close to them by sharing revelation or talking about revelation so it could sound like I have something to add when I'm just pulling it out of my butt or off of some other website or some other prophetic person and just, or memes or something like that. And I can just flattery and get close and establish a friendship where there doesn't need to be time wasted there because it's not a divine appointment. That's your hunger and thirst for witchcraft with the appearance of good and even the appearance of perfect. That's the false love of Venus, the Netza, that keeps you from hearing clearly from God. So you're hurting yourself, you're shooting yourself in, the own, in your own foot. So instead of like, oh, I just need to be friends and be close by, you know, making myself feel like, or making the prophet or the prophetess feel like, they can be close to me, feel like they can trust me. I can get all these personal relationships and all this. You need to stop, slow down. First, obey the prophetic word for the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. Then those streams or those rivers coming through the sapphire stones through Netza and Ha, those are the two legs of prophecy. So if you're obedient in those two spheres by being circumcised, right, the baptism of fire, the circumcision, eighth day circumcision also represents eighth day baptism of fire. So you burn it. You burn your desire to be buddy-buddy, close friends with all the prophetic anointed people you can find. It's never going to solve your problems. You'll always be led astray, even though they're real anointed people, because that's the fruit of your thirst for witchcraft and false love. And it will always fail you in the end. I promise you, we've seen it hundreds of times. It never works out. Be loyal and obedient to the Holy Spirit. Obey the prophetic word for the body of Christ that's released publicly mm -hmm. and whatever friendships that you're longing for whatever things right what did the word of God say coming through the cloud of witnesses even in Rick Joyner's uh, experience when he went to heaven don't seek relationships stop looking for the that feeling in friendships on Facebook and messenger and your text messages and that feeling I just don't want to be alone I just want to be Kill it. Burn it. That is the very thing that's keeping you from hearing God clearly. You're trading your relationship with the Holy Spirit for the temporary pleasures of feeling camaraderie, companionship. This is my you know, band of brothers. We're going to do it. Or just a girls group. Don't we need a girls chat? We need... No, we don't need none of that. I need you to hear from God. And I need you to hear him clearly. And you need to armor up, soldier. We're not out here picking pansies laying around. There's time for that. We got the pansy field over here for soaking time. You gotta heal the wounds, that's fine. This is a war. You got cosmic principalities picking off people left and right. And you wanna go cater to your, I just need to have friends. Let me just text, well, we're revelating together. And uh, you know what? Just forget about it. 
you'll stay. Doesn't matter how high you've risen to sapphire stones, if you go back to that, at this point, you're not going any higher. That, it doesn't matter who you are, who you know, what you've done for God so far. That's it, you're done. You're staying right there until you can put that on the altar and burn it. Well, it goes against my feelings. Well, that's the whole point. Otherwise, you know, it's not a sacrifice. You're sacrificing your own nature, your own desires. What is it? Your pleasures. Pleasures in your right hand. In, I believe this is in the Psalms, where it says the pleasures in your right hand. That root word there, netza. Right? Sapphire stone. In, in your right hand, that defines the origin which is Jupiter has said is loving kindness. It has to come down through that pure silver, pure wisdom from above. The netza pleasures are in or originate from Hesed, your right hand. And netza, what the part that's getting circumcised, is the corruption of pleasures. For me, myself, and I. What I want, my spiritual good feelings, reading the Bible together, it's always that seeking of finding your pleasure in anything, any good thing, other than what God has ordained. And the serpent come, will come around and say, did God really say that? Did he really say you can't be, you know, texting all these people and going after these friendships and going after this, all these things? Did he? Well, well, then start to reason and think. Well, I'm I'm more mature than I was then. Oh, that's a good one. A bad one, right? Thinking like a demon, right? Oh well, it's different. Well, it's just, it's pure. We're keeping it very pure. It's just, you know, there's a man maybe texting, and uh, well, it's it's fine. It's just, you know, the 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 mind will come into agreement on autopilot with the demonic until the circumcision and the burning happens. And it's always, the, the pig goes back to the mud. So if you know that in advance, and you've talked to God about this in advance, and you say, okay, this is the sapphire stone I'm going to. I know the, the nature of the pig. I know the nature I have from what limited understanding I have so far, what we've overcome. So I'm expecting the enemy to do that. And then I go and plead with the Lord, Lord, let your word of Netzah be written in my heart and hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, because it breaks my heart, the thought of even being in sin against you. In ignorance, in, un in willingness, unwillingness, ignorance or pride, after all we've been through together, how could I hurt you like that, Lord? Don't let me, let me fear to offend. Fear to offend my Lord, my Savior, who paid so much for me, who paid so much for you. Instead of our prideful arrogance in our own ways, in our own culture, our own Christian culture, our own glory cultures, rather prefer the emotions and the thoughts of my Lord and Savior, what He desires to work in my life in your life and so you go at it from a different perspective instead of well why can't I do that instead of Lord show me your heart your will 
I love you. I don't want to hurt or offend you in any way. Because it does, it hurts and offends his majesty. Your king. Your lord, your savior, your closest one. To even touch that unclean thing. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling, let his will, his glory, and his pleasure, and his powers be released. And Netza of Berea of Yetzirah in your life, that sapphire stone of pure and perfect pleasures forevermore in his right hand. You learn how to follow the Holy Ghost. So, most Christians don't ever get over their own feelings and emotions, which means they, their heart becomes calloused and insensitive to the feelings and emotions of the Holy Ghost. Those who love Jesus sacrifice their feelings and emotions. So the soul is lusting to have its feelings and emotions satisfied through human beings, even family members, children, spouses, more than the Holy Spirit. That is the definition of sin. First love means that my feelings and emotions are satisfied on Jesus literally. Like my whole heart is filled with the Spirit of Christ and that's how I feel. So when you treasure him, first love means no idols in the love gate. No false love. <laughs> I don't have another source to fill my heart with except God. No other gods besides me. So you just look around in your life. What are you going to? Those are the altars of demons that you're going to to fulfill that area of first love. And so the Bible says, I command you to return to first love. You have many other lovers, it is written to the church of Revelation 2 and 3. They had paramours. They had other lovers. Jesus wasn't their only lover. This is every area of demonic influence in your life. And so we're working out and circumcising all those other lovers out of your hearts. So it's just Jesus, first love. First love is encountering the glory. Last night in my apartment, I was listening to music and I noticed it's starting to get physically smoky in my apartment. And I shared the video with our Minneapolis group. It was smoky in there. And I don't even know why. I was just enjoying music with Jesus and the smoke of his glory. And what it felt like when I was talking to God about it was, this is like the smoke of his grace. There's a materialization of his spirit when you're enjoying him and doing life with him. It's not just all religious stuff all the time. I'll tell you that right now. In heaven, you're not doing religious stuff. In fact, there's no religion in heaven. There's zero religion in heaven. What there is, is enjoying God. It's true. And there's sports in heaven. There's The whole purpose of heaven is learning how to enjoy God. So it's not so much 
enjoying him and the things you're enjoying so much now. It's going into God and he just changes everything about you in the inside out. Allowing him to change how you feel and what you take pleasure in is repentance. When you're going higher in God, you're learning to enjoy higher realms, holier realms with him. And you no longer do anything alone. There's no aloneness. There's no lone ranger. There's no separation. There's just a continuous conscious awareness that Jesus is in you. And whatever you're doing right now, you're doing it with the Lord for the Lord. So everything gets infused with glory. And you begin to walk with the Master. It's called walking with the Father in the coolness of the day. You begin to walk in the spirit of glory. You've learned how to soak in the spirit of glory. You've learned how to listen to the words of glory. Now as it feeds your spirit, your inner man will walk in the glory. And the glory will begin to materialize around your body. It's the glory that devours the flesh, the sinful nature, the impulses of the flesh. They have to be completely incinerated with light. It's not just the ridding away of sin and you're left there sin-free. It's the infusing with light, with glory, that makes you sin-free. As it is written, all have fallen short of the glory, therefore have sinned. Which means when you're walking infused in the light of His resurrection, you're a sin-free zone according to that light. That light is sin-free. You can't be sin-free on earth, only in heaven through the resurrection. What you have down here is mostly charismatic religion and an attempt to abstain from things you think are good or evil in your brain. It's religion. In resurrection, it's just measurements of light. And that light is your salvation. That light is your deliverance. That light is the Holy Spirit. And to your whole psyche, your mind, your will, your emotions are infused with that light and you're living for that light as it's written, God is a being of light. Hebrews 1.3 Are you living for that light? Are all the decisions you're making for a greater light? This is how you base your life on God and follow God. Is His light intensifying and increasing through doing those things? If not, It's demonic activity. Get rid of it out of your life. God is light. In Him there's no darkness at all. The whole purpose of growing after you're born again is intensifying and magnifying the concentration of light, just like a star. Romans 9 likens the believer's path, Proverbs does too, to growing in light, intensification of light. And that light only gets stronger as your inner man rises higher through obedience to the spirit of truth. So when you begin to obey, that's how the light gets brighter. If you don't obey, you'll never go to the next degree of glory. So you get hung up on something, you get deceived, and your pride forbids you from repenting. This happens to everyone. It will always require humility to repent and return to Him and obey the last thing you disobeyed. Without humility, the Bible says, only the meek inherit the earth, which means there's no inheritance unless through meekness, which is a constant humbling of soul, mind, feelings, emotions, and will to the Holy Ghost. 
until you're a better student, until you're a better follower. Perfect meekness is perfect following of the Spirit of Jesus. And when you get obedient, your inner man gets more clear and clear. Your conscience becomes crystal clear and sparkling. So it's easy. It's not hard. You're not kicking against the pricks doing your own thing. You're flowing with the Lord. It becomes a flow of obedience. It becomes the only desire left in you. That's what it means to be a man after God's own heart. I don't have a feeling or emotion or desire except whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do. There's no pull in a different direction other than the direction of the Holy Spirit today. A circumcised heart flows in the Holy Ghost and learns how to be under His control. Now this is the Word of God. Revelation 14.4 These are the ones who have not been defiled by relations with women, for they are celibate. These are the ones who follow the Lamb. The word celibate there means as pure as virgins. Now Jesus will do that in all your lives. Pure as virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been purchased and redeemed from among men of Israel as the first fruits sanctified and set apart for special service of God. Now, this is Revelation 14. I looked and this is what I saw. The Lamb stood firmly established on Mount Zion and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name inscribed in their foreheads. The inscription of the father and the son's name in the forehead signifies God's own possession. So you're either going to be possessed with self, your own possession, your own thought life, your own desires, cares, wants, wills, your own ideas, your own opinions, your own interpretations, your own version of Christianity, or you're going to have an inscription of God's name, yad heh inscribed on your forehead, which means this person is God's possession. That is what everything you're going to go through in the coming years is learning to be possessed by God, God's own possession for God's name, which means servants inside his house. The greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. Not coming to be served, but coming to serve. Serving what? The name of the Father, the inscription in the forehead, which means all the thoughts of the mind. And the mind is where you're pulled out of God's will. Temptations come right through the senses and the reasoning of your brain. So when the brain has God's name written on it, you're not pulled into temptation. You're not pulled into religion. You're not pulled into rebellion. You're pulled deeper in service to the name of the Father. And the Father's name gets magnified in your brains, in your senses, in your reasoning. His reasoning, His wisdom, becomes your reasoning, your wisdom. Through what? The inscription. Through being constantly possessed and set apart from serving anyone else. Now, serving God will make you the greatest workers of all time. And like I've told you before, 11 out of 12 will be in business. Doesn't mean it's just, oh, we're all just going to be in full-time ministry. That's absolutely false. 
Almost everyone will be in full-time business. Even the ones in full-time ministry will usually have businesses. Truth anyhow. Which means they'll be skilled in the marketplace. It's not just going to be this churchy entity that's obscure and has no skill in the practical things of society. Which is what we've done. We've, we've gotten into false holiness, guys. False holiness means I don't even have the skills to be the best in the marketplace. The most skilled jobs, if you read the Bible, were all those with the most wisdom of God. The first mention of wisdom in Genesis or in uh, Exodus was the goldsmiths of Moses and the skills to make items to serve God. So your wisdom will be applied in the marketplace. I have never seen a full-time minister that wasn't trained and sent from God first in the marketplace. Why? Because they just get into obscurity. They get into irrelevance and they really get into their own religious leadership if they don't have the practical skills of being successful in the marketplace. They don't have it in ministry either. And you know what it takes to be successful in business. Discipline. Lots of discipline. Intelligence. Good decision making. You can't be slothful. You can't be lazy. So you're tested in business to see if you have it there. Then you'll transfer what you've learned in success in marketplace into priesthood. The reason why we got so much junk in ministry is because these ministers don't have the same skill in business that they brought into priesthood and so it's mostly laziness it's called hirelings in scripture they don't bring the same zeal and passion as they would to be a ceo of a fortune 500 company and running the ministry in service to god it's mostly just religion it's mostly just laziness And then we deceive people and it sounds like Christianity because they use the New Testament words and all this junk. We need to have skills. We need to have wisdom that works. Listen, when you're upgraded in priesthood, you will be upgraded in marketplace. The pillars of the temple were Jachin and Boaz representing sonship in the Bible. Boaz was a businessman, married Ruth. Jachin was a priest of the Levitical order, which means as you build the temple of God, your bodies, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll have skills in both arenas. If you can't converse in one and you're just heavy in this one area, you have yet to be trained in the maturity of Jesus Christ. We need to be open to learn all things for to become a kingship and a priesthood of Revelation chapter 1 will require skill and and excellence in everything, not just ministry or the Christian things. You'll have to be skilled in uh, raising children and teaching children. You'll be skilled in cleaning. Listen, the sons of God are good at everything. You're learning how to be good and godly and excellent in all things in the standard and excellence of the living God. God's good at everything. You know it's true. Why isn't it true always about God's people? Because He's not that formed in us. 
All the increase of God in your life will mean you're getting more skilled in every area of your life in service for the king, representing him more accurately. Look at Daniel. How did Babylon fall? Through the excellence of Daniel, tested in every aspect of society. He was tested in every single aspect of society, not just in Babylon, multiple, multiple kingdoms, and because he was good at everything, he overcame and conquered kingdoms. Now, Jesus will do this work in you. You have the excellence of Jesus Christ in you to make you good at everything. If you're staying teachable and you're overcoming laziness and slothfulness, and you're learning the skills that the Holy Spirit and His angels are sent to teach you, then you're successful. You don't learn it all at once. Just like Abram, 29 years of learning from Noah in Shem, according to the Bible, which means he was learning excellence and all kinds of stuff. Before he became the father of nations, he had the excellence of nations formed in him. We don't have this message enough in Christianity. Oftentimes we just stay bums and want Jesus to just add his excellence on us on the outside. Oh, I'm just a sinner. I'm always going to be bad at everything. I've always been poor, always will be poor. We got all these curses in us and we want Jesus and his excellence just to be poured on us like hot syrup. That ain't how it works. Nursery is over. It's time for maturity, which means you grew up in his likeness in your spirit, and your soul learns reliance on another, no longer depending on self. But now knowing Jesus and you in that body together in covenant, sharing, co-heirs with Christ in what? All things, the Bible says, so that you become like Jesus Christ in everything. Even in how you drive. Let that challenge some of you. Terrible drivers. How you walk. How you carry yourself. How you talk. How you pronunciate. Every area of your life gets changed with God in it. Notice how we have a lot of areas where we say, Oh, God's not touching that yet. Well, because you won't let him touch that. God will touch and transform every area you're willing to open up to him. And get real. And get on the threshing floor. What is the threshing floor? Changing from this form to that form. It goes from something that has value but is not useful yet because it still has all the different junk of the wheat all connected to it and it hasn't separated the wheat from the chaff. So it's a changing, a refinement. And the Holy Ghost wants to refine every area of your life into the same exact excellence of Jesus Christ. It's available. It doesn't even matter the condition you start in. Look at Saul of Tarsus, a freaking serial killer antichrist. So he had about the worst beginning of anyone you could ever imagine. Turned out he so changed through the threshing floor so yielding to God, he became excellent in everything, likened unto a king like Jesus Christ himself in his finished form. If Paul can do it, you can do it, because it was all based on grace, and he used the grace for change, changing into the image of Christ. Amen. I pray everyone can humble their hearts, humble their minds, and get the stubbornness out of us. Get the pride out of us and be open 
to changing like a threshing floor. Then we become useful for eating, which is feeding and strengthening the spirit. Once it's threshed, now the wheat goes into bread form and becomes delicious. Delicious to who? To God the Father. Unless it's threshed, he won't even receive it. I don't care if you call everything in your life Jesus Christ and Bible, unless you've gone to the threshing floor or a seed falls down to the ground and die, it bears no fruit, which means God won't receive it as fruit. God won't receive it as sacrifice. It's rejected until it goes through a certain level of refinement. And the refinement is not rejection. The refinement is how you get value out of something from beginning to end. Author and perfecter of faith. The Father only receives the perfect. You know that? So in the middle of it is all our job getting on the threshing floor and changing. And really we're at war against your stubbornness, if you haven't noticed. The know-it-all attitude, the stubborn attitude, I don't need to do this, I don't need to do that. I'm the boss of me. Jesus ain't even half our Lord yet. We call him Lord and Savior, but he's not the boss of our feelings, our emotions, our time, our finances. We're still in rebellion for the most part until we're threshed through and through. And this is a process that he's doing in you. And he's patient with you. And he'll deal with you. You have to make yourself available. All he's looking for is that you're clay in the potter's hands. And he will change you. He will rearrange you. He will transform you. All you got to do is say, yes, I'm willing to change. Yes, Lord Jesus. These strongholds in my mind, I'm willing to give them up. Do whatever you want in my life. I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice. No matter the stubbornness, the pride, the strongholds, the culture, the DNA that you have in your physical realm, in your brains, Jesus is greater than any stronghold in your mind. And let those strongholds melt down. And you posture your heart. How you respond to this word telling you the truth is how you position yourself for changing. So the, pro the prophet's job in scripture is to get the people aligned to be changed into what God wants to do with them. They'd speak a word, and this is how you know it's for the corporate body of Christ. The manna fell on the whole nation. Moses ate the same bread as everyone else. They had fresh manna from heaven. God fed them angel food. It is written in Psalms, and they all ate it. And we need to be satisfied on it because God's saying the same thing to all of us. He's saying change. Mm. He's saying get on the threshing floor. He's saying being available and work and chisel away at the stubbornness in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind. Amen. Amen. Stop praying for quail. <laughs> it's no good to pray prayers for quail when manna, fresh manna, abounds. It'll only infuriate your Lord. Well, he's not, God's not bad at it. Stop praying for quail. It won't help you. By the time it reaches your mouth, the curse will have already kindled upon you. Enjoy the manna, what God's already provided. He has a feast for you every day. You could wander across the other side of the camp for the manna over here, the manna over there. Just right outside your tent, there's some manna right there. 
But what did he say? What did God say? The instruction was, eat it that day, and I'll give you fresh one tomorrow. And then the only exception was on the Sabbath. They had to listen to what God said. And then remember, some of them, they didn't listen. Why didn't they listen? They saw him part the Red Sea. They saw him deliver them from Pharaoh's hand. So why when God... Now God didn't say it directly to them. Why? Because they refused to go up the mountain onto the sapphire stones. When the mountain looked threatening and intense, they said no. Since they said no to God's severity, they missed out on going up on sapphire stones and eating with him. That was the hidden manna of the ark, the celestial ark of the covenant. The reason why they had them put some of the manna into the ark with the staff and with the commandments, and that manna never went bad. Why is that? Why did they do that? That represented the authority of Moses and Aaron. The commandments mm. below in that ark represented what was above. They What did they eat with God? The bread of angels. They ate many things, but one of the things they ate was the bread of angels. That hidden manna on sapphire stones is the only manna that doesn't go bad. So every day, fresh bread, fresh bread coming down. But what did Moses have? He heard God directly. Now, those people listening to the words of Moses who had not gone up, they had to obey the commandment of the Lord to not keep the manna. Be ready for the fresh manna the next day. But they got their instruction through Moses, who heard it directly through the Lord, because they refused to go up. Now when you embrace the severity of judgment, of the burning mountain of smoke and fire, and even if an animal touches it, must be stoned to death. You can go up on sapphire stones and eat the bread or the manna of angels, the celestial realm. That bread, with that engraving of the word of God, he is the bread that came down from heaven. It's always alive and emanating fresh revelation. It never goes dry, it never goes bad, it never turns to worms, it's always Him. Not a shadow, not something that came down from Him to be used apart from Him, but it's union with Him because that sapphire stone journey is your inner journey of union with Him. And as he was saying, to be cleansed for a greater use, 2 Timothy 2.21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Those who cleanse themselves are being, you're in the potter's hands, being molded into that purpose. What was that 
amazing craftsmanship of those who built the temple and, and the gold work and the linen work and the embroidery and all those things that went into making the Ark of the Temple and all the tent and the covering that Moses used and operated in, that wisdom and ability to be the best in the craftsmanship. Well, I did the research and I looked at Jewish history and writings and I found in my studies that that wisdom only descended on them from those heights, from God, for that time as they worked on the temple. And when they completed the task, it lifted. That wisdom was no longer with them because they were outside of the temple, working on the temple, but they didn't go in. They didn't enter in. They couldn't because they didn't go up. Now what's the difference between you and them, sapphire stones? Revelation 3.12, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. You will go in and you won't leave. Even Joshua, who just sat outside, became a leader of his generation. How much more you in a greater covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ, the new covenant in his blood. This is my flesh that was broken for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the inscription, the bread of angels, the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. What pillar? Jacob and Boaz. What is that, you might ask? Let's look. First Chronicles 29 11. Thine, O Lord, yad vav is the greatness and the power in Gevra. And the glory, that's Tifret. And the victory, Netzah. And the majesty, Had. For all that is in the heaven, Shamaim, the seven heavens. And in the earth, Eresh is thine, thine, O Lord, is the kingdom. And that root word, the mystic meaning of that usage of the kingdom is meaning of, of Melchizedek, of Melchizedek, Malak. And thou art exalted above all as head, the head, Rosh. He is the head of that kingdom of Melchizedek. His is the Gevra, the glory, the Tifret, and the victory, the Netzah, and the majesty. What are those? Do you remember from our training in righteousness class? I know somebody's been studying. Somebody's been taking the master class. I will make him a pillar in the temple. What were the pillars? Jacob and Boaz. Boaz is Hod. If you remember from the training class, majesty. And Netzah is Jacob. The victory. So you have the majesty and the victory. And those are what the Lord's, they're sapphire stones. 
those sapphire stones, the engraving of the Lord, the seed, the word, the engraving is the seed, the word of God, the deposit of the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in your spirit that emanates, continuous, Shekinah glory. And when it would dwell upon and rest upon, what is the word? Shekan. It would shekan upon the camp. It would dwell. It was a habitation of Shekinah glory, emanating like a fountain. The fountains of Had and Netzah. The fountains are pillars. The pillars are fountains. And did you read in the Bible when they said those pillars, the tops they made like a lily, lilies at the top? That flower, those flowers that become a fountain from the deep wells of Hakma and Bina of God the Father, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And now let's make man, mankind in our image with the same design. Those who are victorious, those who overcome. Who are the overcomers? You overcome all that's in the world, all that's in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You go up. And those he makes you pillars, the Jacob and the Boaz, working in your life and sapphire stones will translate into your natural realm. Therefore, there'll be no confusion. You will abound in grace, pure, undeserved grace flowing down, sapphire stones, in the temple of your God. Now, when they worked on the temple externally, it came down, and then they did the work, and it departed. But if you go in, kingdom of heaven with you, and you go up, and you abide in him, and he abides in you, his word abides in you. You ask anything and he'll do that for you. And I tell you what, that skill that you receive when you go in and you stay in the temple, in the holy of holies, in the holy place, that wisdom and understanding, it won't just come down for up one project and depart. It'll rest upon you. It'll spring up within you like a fountain, and it will remain. Those who remain, well, those who remain on the earth, but those who remain, who abide in him. And that's where that hidden manna, that's where the secrets of the celestial commandments of the original covenant before the beginning of time that Jesus came to establish and erect in the earth. All those things. It's the glory of God to conceal the matter with veils that act like mirrors until it becomes clear and clean and cleansed and we see him, we behold him face to face. And he unveils the revelation of Jesus Christ and the seven thunders and the river of all the fullness of time from the beginning to the end and culmination of all the ages. understanding and wisdom by the Spirit. And then you will know, and you will see, and you will understand what he called you to be, what he has called you to do for his name, 
for his posterity, for his prosperity, for his kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread on sapphire stones, the bread of angels, and the bread of the engraving of the name of our God. Amen. Bless you guys. Seal this word in your hearts with Revelation 2.16. Therefore repent. Change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war and fight against them with the sword of my mouth in judgment. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, to him I will give the privilege of eating, eating some of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone. And when the Spirit brought me here, I went into a vision of this white stone, and I saw it as your spirit, because you're eating. Now your spirit, man, is a stone in the building of the last temple. It means that your spirit is now a building block in God's eternal temple in heaven. Amen. I believe that's one understanding of the white stone. It's your spirit as a stone in the building of his temple in heaven, a temple of glory. And it has a new name. It's the nature of your spirit man, the new creature, engraved on the stone, which no one knows except the one who receives it. Why? Because it's not known externally. It's known internally in your spirit. So I bless your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ to eat the hidden manna and uh, become a white stone in the building of the temple of his glory. And it'll be through that great temple of his glory that Jesus Christ will return to earth. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you to everyone who gave into the microphone for RLM Africa. You'll be seeing the fruit out of the ministry of RLM Africa for years to come through everyone who gave into that awesome, glorious cause. God bless you in your giving and supporting of this ministry. In Jesus' name, I pray a financial blessing from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob upon all the financial partners of Red Letter Ministries throughout the world. May you prosper greatly financially as your spirit man prospers according to the word of God, will of God, and the angelic power of God's armies assisting all of you to be more than conquerors in the marketplace to fuel the kingdom of heaven and the coming of Jesus Christ. Amen.